This is Crosscut Reports. I'm Sarah Bernard. Today, we hear about one man's journey through Seattle on a bicycle. In late 2021, Seattle resident Danny Roberts decided to start riding his bike on every single street in the city. This year, he finished. And then freelance photographer and journalist Connor Courtney decided to document it. Along the way, Danny found hidden corners of Seattle, got hit by a car, and learned a whole lot more about the city he loves. In this episode, Connor and I chat about Danny's project and what it meant to him, the joy and challenges of riding bikes in the city, and why Connor was inspired to cover this project in the first place. So, Connor, tell me about Danny Roberts. Who is he and how did you first meet him? I actually had heard of Danny ever since I was in high school. I had a group of friends in high school who had had this like childhood friend named Danny who'd moved away before high school. And I had essentially replaced him in this friend group uh, when we got (laughs) to high school. So I'd always kind of heard about Danny. And then when we got to college, he ended up, he had moved away and he ended up moving back to the university of Washington. And I met him there and we we were friends, not like particularly close, more of just like we, we knew who each other were. But we started following each other on Strava, which is this kind of fitness social media app where you can log your own activities, you know, whether that's biking, hiking, running, all these different things. And you can see other people's activities. So it's a fun way to kind of see what other people are getting up to. And, you know, you can see someone do a cool route and say, oh, I want to do that too and and go ride the same thing or go hike the same thing. So yeah, so I started following him on Strava. And then as we were getting into 2021, I was abroad traveling and I was seeing Danny post these rides that were really unusual. Hmm. Most of the time on Strava, you see people doing like Washington loops or, you know, these loops where they can avoid, you know, you can avoid as many street lights, as many stops as possible. So it's kind of the same, I guess, around Seattle. I see people generally doing the same half dozen to a dozen routes. Mm -hmm. But Danny was doing these crazy kind of like crossing 75th all the way from I-5 all the way to like Washington and then going back on 76th and doing these... um, Yeah, these really strange patterns. And I also started seeing associated with those posts, these little statistics included that was like 25% of, you know, Northeast Seattle complete, things like that. So I started digging around a little bit more, found out he was using this app called Wander that tracks where you've biked in the city. Mm. Um, And yeah, and he was trying to essentially ride every single street in Seattle. Right. So you're looking on Strava and you're like, why is he zigzagging like this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so so through Strava, you were like, hey, what are you up to? Or was it just through friends, I guess? Yeah, kind of through friends. We have like mutual friends. So I was um, I'd kind of asked them about it. And then I saw his final post where he was like, I'm done. That's it. And he had, you know, completed ninety nine point you know, five percent of whatever of Seattle streets. So, yeah, so I found out about that and then reached out to him. I'd had his number for, you know, since college and reached out and said, hey, do you want to tell me more about this? It seems like it could be a really good story. So when you reached out to him, 
I mean, what was your first question? My first question is why? <laughs> I don't know if that was yours, but 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 why why did he tell you he was he was doing this? Um, you know, when I ask him that, I'm not sure he has like one distinct rationale for doing it. Mm-hmm. It seems like there are a lot of different things. I think one was, you know, he described when he first started biking around Seattle, having this sense of deja vu of like he had recognized all these places from when he was you know, 9, 10, 11 years old, before he had moved away. And then biking back, he could kind of remember those places and recognize them again. Mm. And so it seemed like he really loved having that feeling of, you know, stumbling across a soccer field that he had played a game on one time when he was a kid. Or, you know, biking by, you know, Dick's Drive-In and, and remembering eating there um, when he lived in Seattle. So I think that was part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think Danny is a an amateur like historian, geologist, like just like a lover of the environment. Mm. And so I think he really enjoyed both the mapping aspect and kind of riding around around the city and kind of seeing the how the topography changed and um, kind of the history in the city. Mm-hmm. And then I also think he loves a physical challenge. He hiked the PCT from Oregon to Washington and then hiked down the peninsula as well and he was doing like 30 miles a day he rode you know in the middle of this project he rode to and from san diego where his parents live um in the middle of the project (laughs) yeah for fun right so i think he really loves moving his body and i think this was a great challenge that he could do right out of his back door Mm -hmm. yeah i was gonna ask kind of like why the bicycle instead of another form of transportation so i guess the physical challenge aspect of it maybe a good vehicle for the city. Yeah. I've, I've asked him about this, and I don't think biking is his favorite form of exercise. Oh, really? I think it's hiking, yeah, oh, uh, uh-huh. which is kind of funny, right? Yeah. He spent, he biked 10,000 miles last year, wow. um, and it's like not his favorite form of uh, recreation. Wow. But I think I think he he's told me, you know, it, it's kind of the perfect vehicle for the city. Mm-hmm. It's really easy to get around, really easy to reach these kind of far-flung places that you might not necessarily reach on foot. Mm-hmm. or might not appreciate if you're in a car. I also uh, ride a bike a lot, and I, I think there's something about the vehicle that really allows for kind of an intimate experience with a place. I mean, definitely way more than if you're in a car or a bus or a train. You just, you're outside, obviously, and then just, like, moving at a pace where you really get to get a sense of place. Like, oh, I've lived here for all this time and I didn't even know this was here because so many of us, we go on our path, we go to work, we go home, we go to the thing, we go to the other thing, but we don't necessarily explore it all. Yeah, I have a, I have a quote from Danny about that. He was talking about how much he biked last year and, and he said, I'm sure there's a bunch of people in Seattle who biked way more than me. They probably went around Lake Washington 50,000 times, which is more nuts, going to the same place all the time or going somewhere new all the time. There's something so simple about the project, very logistically complicated of like tracking how you bike around every single street. But it's also simple. You like you just have to go somewhere new every time. And I think there's a lot of beauty in that. Speaking of biking 10,000 miles, even though it's not your favorite thing, (laughs) you report that he... um the fact that he chose to do this thing, which is this incredible physical challenge, but also a kind of logistically complex task in some ways, this very completist goal, um, 
did not surprise his friends and family like at all. They were like, oh, yeah, Danny, of course. Yeah, I mean, I would say his family wasn't surprised. I, I wasn't sure. Like, it seemed like there was some disagreement about whether or not it was a good idea. Right. <laughs> so I, his partner, Ashling, told me that, you know, she thought it was a little nuts to start with. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of as he got into it, she realized how how cool of a project it was. And I think Ashling was a, a good, you know, barometer of how everyone else felt about it. You know, she was initially kind of skeptical and kind of came around by the end. And by the end, Ashling had biked, you know, about a third of Seattle streets just by, you know, going on rides with Danny every once in a while. And um, she had said that she now bikes in a totally different way, that she now will take, you know, maybe the longer, more circuitous route to or from home and test out these new streets because it's so fun to explore these new areas in Seattle. But yeah, Danny did also tell me about they, you know, they had one friend who every time uh, they saw Danny was like, I still don't get it. I don't get why you're doing this. Uh, it seems ridiculous. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I could, I could imagine. And Danny's like, well, that's okay. You can have your opinion. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> For myself, when I think about, you know, riding my bicycle in Seattle, there are some roads that are bicycle boulevards or some roads that have bike lanes. So in that way, there are roads that are really nice and friendly for bicycles. And then there are roads that are not. Uh, And those roads I don't ride on. (laughs) And so that's an aspect of this project that I think, um, you know, is extra sort of challenging in that way, because it's like if he's going to ride on every single street in Seattle, that means that he's going to ride on some that are like interlocking, kind of beautiful winding, you know, little bicycle symbol on the road. People expect a bike to be there. And then, you know, I guess he's riding also on all the other roads that are kind of more designed for cars. Rainier Avenue, it's not safe. We know it's not safe. For example, I think of uh, Rainier Avenue, which I, I live in South Seattle, like off of Rainier. And I do not uh, ever <laughs> ride my bike, except for if I have to be on Rainier for some reason, then I ride on the sidewalk. Rainier has no peers when it comes to crashes in the city of Seattle and in generally in the Northwest. There are more crashes per mile by a large margin. So, I mean, I was just wondering if, if that level of risk was, was something that he was taking into account the whole time. Like, did he ever ride on a sidewalk in those circumstances? I don't know specifically. He definitely did things strategically. It's like he rode down Lake City, for example. He didn't do that at 5 p.m., right? He he did it at like 10 p.m. at night um, oh, when it's a lot less busy. Oh. Um, so he could like tick that off. He said he also like got on I-99 a couple of times, like by accident, oh. essentially was like riding around in Soto and would like be riding on a street and then it would like you'd be on 99 all of a sudden and mm-hmm. he was like I guess I keep going till the next exit rather than like turn around and go back and uh so that that was kind of a funny story apparently you know he's riding on 99 and a cop pulled off behind him was like hey what are you doing and he was like oh I'm like you know riding on all these streets and I like kind of accidentally got on yada yada and the cop gave him like an escort to the next exit to make sure he didn't get hit wow but yeah, I mean, so I think he I think he did recognize the risk. Mm-hmm. I also think a lot of us cyclists, it's this feeling of inevitability of it's not if you're going to get hit, it's when. So far this year, 14 people have died in crashes in Seattle. 21% of those deaths were people on bikes. 
So he was riding through Wallingford, which which he considers to be one of the most dangerous neighborhoods to ride, um, which is, I, I grew up in Wallingford, which was kind of interesting for me to hear about. But, but yeah, he was in an uncontrolled intersection. A teenager was driving the car and essentially they went when Danny said he had the right of way. And then Danny couldn't stop in time, hit the car. Um, he separated his shoulder and had some other injuries. You know, I think where Danny got hit, you know, it's a residential street, right? Uh, I think, like you said, you know, there are places that people don't expect bikes, but regardless of the infrastructure in place, cars will always make mistakes and and people driving will always be distracted to some extent or not paying attention to some extent. And mm-hmm. bicycles are at the, the other end of it or pedestrians are at the other end of it. I think as evidenced by some of Crosscut's own reporting on the number of hit and runs and the number of drivers who don't stop when they hit a cyclist. I think mm-hmm. at one point while we were talking, um, I said to Danny that I, I think he was lucky that it wasn't worse. Mm-hmm. And he was upset that I said that. Mm-hmm. He felt like it was insensitive. Mm-hmm. He said that, yeah, like, of course I'm glad I didn't die, but like, it was still really bad. And like, I shouldn't have gotten hit. He he had no legal recourse because he's in a residential area. There are no cars. In the context of because there wasn't there weren't any other witnesses. So it was a driver versus cyclist thing. If he if he did report it, yeah. I mean, maybe this is a good PSA for all cyclists. But if you get hit by a car, you should if you feel comfortable call nine one one and ask for a officer and a paramedic to be sent to the scene of the accident. Otherwise, uh, a traffic violation won't be filed. Um, and that is a, a really key piece for um, having some legal recourse. I mean, it sounds traumatizing and terrifying, and he did get pretty hurt. How do you think that changed Danny's experience of doing this project? I mean, it definitely didn't stop him, right? He kept riding. This was probably at the probably at the two-thirds mark of of the project. And I think it was a bit of motivation, too, of, of not letting this stop him from completing this goal. And I think for every moment like that of feeling really unsafe or in danger, that there are these moments of pure bliss when you're you know finding a brand new street that it's a one way. So you don't have to worry about cars coming the other way and you're just you know cruising down and it's beautiful pavement. It's in the summer, you know, anything like that. I think I think in the end, the. The kind of joy of biking allowed him to continue to do the project and and all these wonderful moments that came along with the project motivated him to keep going. I also think he didn't want to quit. I think he felt like if if he had stopped because this, you know, car had hit him, you know, the, the car wins. And I think, I mean, it did, I think it did change the way he rides. He he rides, I'd say, more aggressively than you know, your average cyclist. I think he's assertive on the road. I think he takes up the whole lane when it's not a safe time to pass. And I think he rides really fast, too. I mean, he's riding at the speed of traffic, which I think, you know, for him makes him feel more safe and that these cars are less likely to, they're more likely to treat him like another car rather than a cyclist. What do you think, what do you think Danny learned from this experience? What does it mean to him or what what do you think he might take away 
I think this project really increased his love of Seattle, of the geography, of the geologic history, of the just the way that the city provides all these amazing opportunities for us to get outside. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's that was really apparent. And I went on a ride with him um, through, you know, downtown and then over to Magnolia, and I could tell he was he was really just kind of joyous to kind of share all these small streets that had these great views or this, you know, this really fun pathway through a park where, you know, you could rip down it and kind of felt like, you know, it was completely dark, only our bike lights. It kind of felt like you were, you know, I don't know riding through space or something. Wow. So I think, I think his joy of exploring the city was expanded, not diminished by, by doing the project. Um, for you, Connor, for you, I mean, I, I understand you also are a cyclist. In fact, you started to learn about this whole thing through being on Strava. But yeah, I was wondering for you, what, what kind of drove you to choose to want to document what Danny had done? Like, what does it mean to you? I thought a lot about it in the context of who knows Seattle the best, you know, of in the city, you know. And I thought a lot about us journalists how we we go to all these corners of the city and, you know, we think we know, I, at least I think I know, of, I have a fairly deep understanding of Seattle and and its spaces and, and people and differences. And I was just like, you know, totally blown out of the water by how well Danny knows this city. And for me, that's what I kept thinking about of how cool is it that he's like literally seen every single corner of the city and he has all these favorite spots kind of, you know, in the back of his brain that he can, you know, fall back on when he's going on a ride for fun. I also thought about how attainable of a project it is. I think it's really hard, right? It took him 13 months of doing these really long rides. But I think, you know, especially as a cyclist and as just a general adventurer, people talk about these huge grand adventures that they take, like hiking the PCT or riding your bike across America, mm-hmm. things like that. But this project, you know, he did in his off time from grad school, uh, you know, and he could kind of chip away at it. And it was kind of all in his backyard, all in the city. So I thought that was really lovely. I've been thinking a lot about how us folks who, who like going outside can, can reduce our reliance on fossil fuels. And, you know, he did this epic adventure without ever needing a car, which I thought was so cool and so inspiring. So yeah, so I think, you know, that's that's why I, I'm interested in, in the story. And, you know, I'm definitely a little inspired to go out and find new roads and new places to ride in the city. So do you think that you would ever do something like what Danny did? No. No. <laughs> well, uh, why not? <laughs> I mean, I, I think I appreciate the accomplishment and I think... Uh, I, I think I think I'll take away, you know, I'll try exploring some new places and especially on my commutes to places that I go to frequently, like when I'm on my way home or something like that, or I don't have much to do. Like, I think finding a new way home or riding new streets is really fun. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't really want to devote hours of my life to riding down questionably enjoyable streets and mm-hmm. routes and things like that. So yeah, so I'm glad Danny did it. 
and can provide this this viewpoint for all of us who, you know, can appreciate it but don't necessarily want to do it. Thanks for listening to Crosscut Reports. This episode was reported by Connor Courtney and produced by me, Sarah Bernard. Our story editor and executive producer is Mark Baumgarten. You can subscribe to Crosscut Reports wherever you listen. And whatever platform you're listening on, please review us. We'd love to know what you think of the show. Also, if you'd like to support the work we do at Crosscut, whether it's our lineup of podcasts, the video docu-series we stream every week, or the in-depth reporting we deliver every day, go to crosscut.com membership. In addition to supporting our journalism, members receive complete access to the on-demand programming of Seattle's PBS station, KCTS 9. For the latest political, environmental, and culture news from the Pacific Northwest, visit crosscut.com. That's also where you'll find a text version of the story we discussed today, along with a whole bunch of Connor's photos of Danny in action. Crosscut Reports is a product of Cascade Public Media. I'm Sarah Bernard. We'll be back soon with another episode.